This is The Medical Beat on 97.1 FM Talk. Hello, St. Louis. You're listening to The Medical Beat, 97.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey. The topic today is psychosis, uh, especially psychosis in younger people. And we're talking children, adolescents, and young adults. Uh, We're going to talk about what is psychosis, uh, what do we know about what causes it, what does it look like, how is it treated, and uh, what's the latest research uh, that's going on in all this. Uh, so we have a very special guest today. We have Dr. Daniel Mama from uh, the Washington University School of Medicine. Dr. Mama is an associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry. He has a lot of uh, published research in this area, and currently he's the director of the Washington Early Recognition Center, which is a, a clinic and also a research center. Uh, that focuses on exactly this. So we have a whole bunch to, to talk about here. Uh, I, I guess, yeah. f- f- first of all, uh, hi, Dr. Mama. Good morning. Hello. Hi, how are, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? How are you doing? Not, not too bad. Good, good. Hey, uh, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this is going to be very exciting. I can I can feel the excitement through the airwaves here. Everyone wants to hear about this. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no pressure. Uh, so, uh, so I guess the the first thing I wanted to ask about is, uh, can you tell us about the uh, Washington Early Recognition Center? What 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 is that? Yeah. So, the Washington Early Recognition Center, or work as we call it, that's the. Mm-hmm. Um, abbreviation Clever. is a <laughs> yeah is a, a specialized clinic that focuses on um, early psychosis. So we try to provide very unique care to individuals who are, you know, either at an early stage of a psychotic disorder uh-huh. like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or some psychotic forms of bipolar disorder, yeah. or people who may be beginning to experience uh, psychotic symptoms. Right. So, yeah. 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 And it and I guess at the clinic it's both it's both treatment and and also you have some research going on there which I will which we'll talk more about later but it's it's both uh, right. treatment and research. So yeah, and I guess um so that the so that the listeners know can you uh, yeah. c- can you kind of uh, explain what uh, what what is psychosis? Can you explain that for everybody? Yeah, so psychosis is a uh, clinical term um, that is used to uh, to describe a break with break with the reality. Yeah. Right. So when when someone is psychotic, um, they have a difficult time uh, differentiating um, reality from non-reality. So mm-hmm. so how does that manifest in um, Clinically, what you, you may have is someone who is um, very suspicious. So they may begin to, um, you know, suspect people around them of doing things that don't really appear to make sense to others. Yeah. Or they may have these paranoid um, um, experiences where, you know, they feel like someone is trying to hurt them when that doesn't seem to be the case. Right. Or, or they may even have um, hallucinations. Um, where like, auditory hallucinations where they, they may hear voices um, or sounds that, that other people don't hear, mm-hmm. or they may have visual um, hallucinations 
where they will see things, um, people, shadows, things like that, that other people don't see. So it's, yeah. it's really a, a break with reality. Yeah, so it includes yeah. things like seeing stuff yeah. that's not really there, hearing stuff that's not right. really there. And, and, exactly. Yeah, and, 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 and possibly false beliefs, like, you know, the CIA is following me or uh, right. space aliens yeah. are zapping stuff into my head or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah and I... Uh, I guess it's good for listeners to know that because I guess, yeah. I guess like in popular language, you know, sometimes psychotic yeah. people think that means violent, but it does not mean violent. Is that correct? It's, not, it's really not violence and it's not just wacky crazy, but it's more specific, like hearing yeah. stuff, seeing stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess they have other symptoms too, like uh, trouble thinking straight and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if you have a difficulty uh, telling what is real from what is not real, um, your your behavior um, oftentimes changes. You, you may end up doing things that um, that make sense to you as uh, the person experiencing the psychosis, but not to other people. So, yeah. so it, it you know it, someone who is psych- psychotic um, oftentimes has a lot of other symptoms in addition to these beliefs. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I and I guess someone with psychosis that's usually yeah. very very impairing. I can imagine it's hard to hard to have friends or go to school or anything like that if you're psychotic. Absolutely, I mean it can definitely create a lot of challenges. Um, and of course, when we're talking about psychosis, there are you know a range of uh, there are a spectrum of psychotic type symptoms. Some are more severe than others, hmm. but yes, in general, um, if you have significant psychotic symptoms, it can be very impairing. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. can you tell us kind of like a typical average story of, of someone who, uh, who, who uh, uh, presents to your clinic for treatment? What, what, kind of a, what kind of a scenario is like a common scenario there? Well, uh, typically what happens um, is that usually, it's usually a teenager or someone in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's typically when psychotic disorders like schizophrenia first tend to manifest. Mm-hmm. And what, what you would typically get is, is, you know, oftentimes it's a family member that may, um, that may notice that there's a change in the behavior of this young person. Yeah. You know, maybe the, maybe the young person is beginning to be more socially isolated. Maybe their, um, their grades in school are dropping, and, and these things are very uncharacteristic yeah. for, for that person. So a lot of times, yeah. Like mom or dad yeah. are bringing them in, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. you know, the, the parents are, you know, they're, they're not quite sure what is going on. Um, you know, the, 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 the person is becoming more suspicious and just kind of doing things that seem very odd for that individual. Um, and, you know, and oftentimes there are other things associated with, with um, the state. Sometimes there are drug, there's drug use, depression, anxiety. Um, but there are these clear... Um, you know, psychotic type experiences. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and somehow they find our clinic and, and, and that's typically how um, they would come in. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I guess I've, I've heard a lot of people yeah. say that, that early intervention is especially important, that their overall outcome, is that true that their overall outcome is going to be a lot? Oh, anyway, you'll need to give me a quick answer because Chad's playing the music in the background, but I guess early yeah. intervention, is that a, a good thing? It is a good thing, and this is not unique to psychiatry. I mean, obviously, in medicine, you know, the earlier you intervene in, you know, whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure or heart problems, yeah. um, the, the tendency is for outcomes to be much better. 
It's yeah. not much different in, in psychosis and, and psychiatric problems. Yeah, to change course yeah. early and, and get a better path. Yeah, yeah. okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, we've got to go out on break. We're going to be back in just a little bit talking to Dr. Daniel yeah. Mama, talking about early psychosis, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Medical Beat. we're back this is the medical beat i'm your host dr steve harvey it's 97.1 fm talk and uh our topic today is psychosis in younger people uh if you missed if you missed the first part of this show uh then first of all what were you thinking but second of all uh don't despair we're gonna we're gonna help you catch up here uh, we've been talking about uh psychosis in younger people uh children adolescents uh, young adults like early 20s and we have here with us uh dr daniel mama who is from the washington university school of medicine associate professor with the department of psychiatry uh, a lot of published research to his name uh, on this topic, and also is the director of the Washington Early Recognition Clinic. Uh, the abbreviation for that is WERC, W-E-R-C. If you want to know more about this, uh, if you want to know more about this, you can look it up on the Internet. You can look up, I, I think, work.wustl.edu. So W-E-R-C dot W-U-S-T-L dot E-D-U. DU is a really cool website. Lots of cool research there. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, well, um, I guess where we left off, we were talking about early intervention, and uh, and so one right. one thing you said is, yeah, we, we think that if you catch the psychosis earlier and do something about it sooner, that probably people will have a much better outcome. Is is that is that what we're thinking here? Well, it's more than what we're thinking. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of um, research. Huh. Um, that kind of shows that that if you if you're able to intervene early, you know, yeah. as, as you know, soon as the disorder um, first develops, mm-hmm. um, when you look 10, 20 years into the future, the outcomes tend to be a lot better in oh. terms of their ability to function, their vocational outcomes, their social outcomes oh. tend to be much better. And you know, and, and that's the reason that, that we have clinics like this, because, you know, we are really trying to get people in early so that we can um, preserve a lot of their, um, their, their, their life in, in the most positive way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess it's almost as if almost as if when somebody is psychotic, yeah. there's some kind of damage going on either to their life or their brain or both. And and so the earlier you do something about that, the better uh, it's going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I I know one one thing that I, I guess that you guys focus on in the clinic, and one thing I've heard about is, is they yeah. talk about prodromal symptoms, like people who yeah. people who are going to be psychotic, but they're not quite psychotic yet, or you're not sure if they're psychotic, but they have. Yeah. What, can you tell me about that? What, what kind of signs are there that someone's going to be psychotic, or someone's developing a psychosis? What what do you see for that? So, so typically, um, you know, somewhere between, you know, several years to several weeks before the onset of a psychotic disorder, um, most people tend to have these prodromal symptoms. And, you know, what, what they, they are is, is a sort of attenuated form of, uh, of a psychotic uh, disorder experience. Uh-huh. So they may begin to start having a change in their behavior but it's not as severe as what you would see in, in a full-blown schizophrenia. 
So you you know you may he, you may have um, you know an experience where someone would um, you know start hearing voices, but maybe not as frequently, or maybe they're beginning to be suspicious. So something is changing, mm-hmm. um, or you know their, their their school performance is beginning to fall, mm-hmm. or they're beginning to be more socially isolated. So it's it's kind of similar to a full blown schizophrenia, but it's it's a lot less severe. Um, yeah. 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 And, and I guess a lot of those symptoms might might sort of overlap with other things because some of those symptoms sounded like yeah. depression or right. maybe they're smoking too much pot or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, so that's the other thing. So the prodrome oftentimes is characterized by specifically those things that you mentioned, the yeah. depression, anxiety. Um, there's a lot of drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes this kind of leads family members to assume that, well, this is all related to something else. Oh, right. Um, when, when in fact there may be um, a psychotic uh, process going on. Ah, right. Yeah. 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 Like they might, someone might be developing yeah. schizophrenia and the family might right. say, oh, they're just depressed, you know, and get them an antidepressant absolutely. or something like that. It, right. It can, absolutely. It can be really hard to, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. Not, yeah. Not, not easy to tell the yeah. difference. And I, and I guess yeah. it's one of those things that as time goes on, it, it uh, it probably it gets obvious later, but at the moment you might not know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I know that. So you're you're not only treating patients there, but you're yeah. also doing research to try to to try to get a better understanding of what causes psychosis and and uh, and and what you can do to treat it. Um, right. Can you? Uh, well, let's talk just a little bit about about treatment because I'll bet most of the yeah. listeners don't know. Can you kind of give us a brief uh, summary? So, so someone is psychotic. Uh, wh- what do you do to make them better, and how how much do those treatments work? Yeah, so it, it's going to be very uh, individual specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, generally, when people have a, a full blown um, psychotic uh, disorder, like say schizophrenia or you know psychotic bipolar. Um, Typically, most people would be on an antipsychotic type of medication, mm-hmm. and there there are several out there. Um, but of course, depending on the specific presentation of that, um, sometimes there are other medications that may be needed to target anxiety or or you know or depression or or, or some other uh, related symptoms. So medication is a very important part of treatment. Um, There are also other treatments um, involving counseling or psychotherapy. Uh, So like individual psychotherapy um, oftentimes is very helpful, Mm -hmm. um, as well as group therapies and family therapies um, have been shown to have a lot of uh, um, effectiveness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 those sort of talk therapies are helpful, but it sounds like, uh, you know, you, you can't talk someone out of their voices. Uh, you know, they'll, 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 they definitely need medication, right. not not just the counseling. Right. right. Yeah. P- yeah. P- particularly if they have a more severe case. Right. Um, so I, th- I think we have to kind of be careful. Um, if somebody has a full-blown schizophrenia or psychotic bipolar, um, almost always they would need to be on a medication. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if you are in the prodromal stage, um, mm-hmm. it would really depend on the on the specific symptoms that you have. Um, and how severe they are. Um, a lot of people would require medication, but some um, may not. Right. So it's, it's very variable. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And how about yeah. the so the the research you guys are doing there? Yeah. What can you uh, can you tell the listeners uh, about your research, or preferably using small words? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, first of all, I I, I want to say that you know the clinic is primarily a a treatment clinic, so the oh. the research kind of comes a distant second. Oh. Um, <laughs> but but it's still it's still something that I you know we think is really important because we're. Um, Thinking, trying to think beyond um, the existing treatments that are available for um, psychotic individuals. Mm-hmm. So that you know, the question is, you know, how can in the future, how can we try to make um, better treatments available for people? So, w- one of the, the things that we we do is brain imaging, mm-hmm. and we're hoping to kind of ramp that up. So you know, um, there are a lot of um, cutting edge new brain imaging. Um, that can really give us a lot of information about how the brain functions, how the brain looks like. Um, and we know that in people with psychotic disorders, there are um, um, often very prominent um, abnormalities. Yeah. And so the question is, you know, the question is, you know, can we use that information in the future to try to personalize um, treatment? Can we identify wow. people that may react better to specific types of um, um, treatment? on what their brain profile is ah. um, and then and then you know following the, you know can we can we also monitor uh, brain changes with treatment to, you know to make sure that we're doing the right thing and we're um, you know trying to correct those abnormalities that may be present right so so yeah. so, so depending on their brain scan you might be able to determine what treatment works best for which people and and do the right thing Absolutely. for each individual yeah, yeah. So, so it's not it's not just all about finding out why people get psychotic. It's also all about, Absolutely. yeah, finding the best way to fix it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So, so what what has science discovered? What why do people get psychotic? Or is that or is that? Well, some, <laughs> well, I, I, I know you don't you, actually know the answer to that question, but I thought it'd be well, fun to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, it's an important question. Um, yeah. I, you know, there, there's a lot that we know about. Um, schizophrenia and psychosis, yeah. but you know there, there's a lot that we don't know, and and that's the whole point of research is trying to to learn more. Um, uh-huh. But we do know a lot, right? So, you know, one thing, for example, that we know is that there's a really strong genetic component to uh, to schizophrenia, right? So it yeah. it tends to cluster in families. You know, if you have a if you have a thing or you have a um, you know, a parent or a grandparent with schizophrenia, then you're going to be more likely to develop um, a, a psychotic disorder in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we know that you know the, the genetic component is really uh, a really important driver in who gets um, schizophrenia. Um, but it, it's not it's not the only it's not the only um, explanation, right? So. For example, if you look at um, identical twins, for example, right, they, they share 100% of their genes. Yeah. But the but the concordance between um, monozygotic twins or identical twins is only about what, 50%. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so, what, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So so we know that g- genetics does play a major role, um, but it doesn't explain doesn't explain everything. Right. right? Yeah. It's le- because, it's le- it, it, genetics are big, but it's a lot less than 100%. So, yeah. Right, right. So, so you know, there, we know that there are, you know, there has to be other kinds of environmental um, effects that contribute to who gets it and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's where a lot of the research is now, I guess, like what kind of environmental effects might 
influence right. whether or not someone gets psychosis and also absolutely yeah right and also which parts of the brain are malfunctioning in in psychosis absolutely. yeah yeah huh and, and i guess for for this clinic so i guess let, let me make sure the listeners know the website uh the website right. is work w but it's w e r c but very clever name there w e r c dot wustel w u s t l dot edu um, I, I, yes. Yeah. And I guess if people can't memorize that, I don't know, should they look up uh, Dr. Mama psychosis or something like that? Um, or what, what's the yeah, best that, way? That may, yeah, that may take you there. I think it may be easier to just um, Google um, Washington Early Recognition Center. Yeah. Um, and I believe I'm the only one in the world with that name. So right. um, our, our clinic is the only one. So I think uh, it should be able to take you there. No yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. And Dr. Yeah. Mama, it's spelled M-A-M-A-H. So uh, if you look up Dr. Mama, uh, Washington University, uh, the, for the Washington Early Recognition Center. Yeah. And, yeah, so if anyone has, uh, you know, a family member or someone they know who's who's young, uh, what's the yeah. age range there? Yeah, so we see people between age ages 13 and 25. Uh, 13 and 25. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. Oh, and Chad is Chad's giving us the signal. That we've got to wrap okay. up. Oh, and there's the music in the background. So, so uh, yeah, hey, so we learned all about uh, psychosis in early life. Dr. Mama, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, the listeners are going to love this. So uh, th- thank you so much for do- for being on the radio, and, uh, and uh, I'll let you go back to doing your science stuff. Uh, all right, thank all you right. for having me. <laughs> you bet. Great. You bet. Yeah, yeah you bye. betcha. All right, have a good one. Bye. All right, all right. You bye-bye. too. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to The Medical Beat. All right. All right, here we are. We're, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to switch gears now. Now we have our, uh, our guest is uh, Dr. Robert Becker. Uh, you might all remember that Dr. Becker was on the show uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Dr. Becker is a uh, Ph.D. psychologist, uh, in uh, who's in practice here in the St. Louis area, uh, author of a couple uh, g- uh, books that sold really well. One's called Addicted to Misery. The other book is Don't Talk, Don't Trust, and Don't Feel. Clever titles. I'll have to actually read the book sometime there, Dr. Becker. <laughs> yeah, unless <laughs> you uh, yeah. want to stay miserable and not talk. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good, but yeah. So, so we're, yeah, so, so, uh, d- so Dr. Becker and I are going to talk today about a whole bunch of stuff, but I think especially we're going to talk about about uh, uh, people's mental health uh, during during this whole whole mess we've got going on now with the uh, with the pandemic and the economic problems and and all of that. But I guess I guess the the first thing I want to ask Rob here is I want to ask so so with the pandemic going on, I guess you you don't have your your patients coming to the office for their therapy anymore. You, I guess, can you tell me how, how are you working as a psychologist when, uh, when you, uh, when you're not having people come to your office, how, how are, how are you doing your job recently? How's that going? Well, what, what myself and uh, one of my partners and the rest of the people in the group decided to do was about the first part of March, the handwriting was on the wall there was just too many potential risk for us and for our families and for the patients to come sit in a waiting room. So mm-hmm. we decided to go virtual and we have been 
virtual with all of my patients since the first week of March. And as new patients come in um, that want to be seen, they're told that, you know, I'm only doing virtual uh, visits at this point. And I'm just amazed at how well it's worked out. I think really what it is is that, frankly, I think people like to be able to stay in their pajamas and talk to their psychologist. That's my feeling. They don't have <laughs> yeah. to get dressed and, right. you know, gussy up and show up in my office and drive. Right. So plus, plus they're safe. Right. It's been a great it's been a great experience. And I can't even begin to tell you how well it's received. Ah, so so in general, the clients like it. The, the, the clients sort of like it better than going to see you in person, it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. In fact, I can tell you since uh, March, which is about, I guess, five months ago, that um, I've had in the group of people that I work with, I've had only one person that can is asked a couple of times, are you going back to your office soon, Doc? And I go, uh, not really. Not at this point. We just can't uh, mm-hmm. we can't do that. The worst part of all of this is we're all still having to pay rent on those offices that we're not in. Oh, right. You're still paying rent. Yeah. They didn't oh. let us out of that trick. <laughs> right. Oh, so, so you have those, those empty offices there. Right. Yeah, I go there to get mail and uh, look for files if I'm missing one at yeah. my house. Right. And to re reestablish virtually an office in my home um, as a uh, virtual space, right. um, and it's really worked out well. Yeah. So, so the patients are seeing you while they're in their pajamas. When you're working, <laughs> are you in your pajamas? Oh no, no, no! I, but they only see me from my waist up, so <laughs> okay. you know I could be in anything. Right. Really. Yeah. I'm but not I even going to ask. I'm not even going to ask about waist down. Let's let's just not I go there. Completely <laughs> dressed. There's never a problem. <laughs> okay. And it doesn't matter. I'm always there. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Glad. I, I'm so. The audience is relieved to hear that. Good. good. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 So so uh, so what do you think? So um, I mean, let, let's say in the future the pandemic's over. Are you going to want to keep on doing it remotely? Did you like it now, or, or would you want to go back to seeing people in person? How's that going to work? Well, you know, I, at this point, I don't know. For me personally, um, this has been really uh, an adventure. Um, it took a little while in the beginning for me and people that I was seeing get used to the platforms that we're using. Um, and we've narrowed it down. We just use one platform at this point, and it's pretty bulletproof once you tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there will be some transition back into the office because um, we've got a lease for a while at least. Oh, yeah. It has to be paid. Um, as well as phone bills and et cetera. So I don't have a problem going back. I have a problem with the potential of how I can ensure that somebody's not going to come in and um, have have the potential of being, you know, um, uh, asymptomatic um, or they yeah. didn't take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the term that when this is over, yeah. I don't know that it's ever really going to be over in the sense that, you don't have to be concerned if you've got high-risk people involved that yeah. you're either living with or working with. So um, I'm probably going to be doing a combination of, of two different things, uh, some mm-hmm. virtual as well as seeing people in the office at some point. Oh, okay. So, so you'll probably keep on paying rent then. Uh, 
I'm paying it anyway. So. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I didn't know, you know, if it might make sense just to stop paying rent and be all virtual, you know? Well, you know, one of the fellows that I work with, um, he said, boy, you know, if we didn't have to pay rent, that would be it. We're done. We'll, we're just staying where we're at it, at our right. virtual site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I guess, I guess, kind of the way you're doing it's pretty similar to everybody else. I guess other, most psychologists and therapists are seeing people remotely now, as far as I know. Is that the yeah, impression I, you have too? Yes, absolutely. And even when I get um, new people that are calling in, you know, and I tell them, "Listen, I'm only doing this virtual." Oh, that's not a problem. Hmm. Uh, what do we have to do to do that? And you know, I explain what what we're using as a platform. And as a what I have done with new people is we we have a uh, phone conversation briefly to talk about the platform we're using, which is Zoom. And then we uh, we we do a little trial run and they get a chance to see me and I get a chance to see them. Sometimes we'll exchange uh, photos over the Internet to each other so they have a face that they can see before they start this. Uh Um, and then we, we move on from there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like that works really well. Yeah. I remember, yeah, yeah. I I remember I, I I did a little bit of, of virtual, uh, psychiatry, uh, before the pandemic. And yeah, I think uh, when when I, you know, I had a similar experience. I I like doing it that way. And a lot of the patients liked it too. I I guess for, for psychiatry, when it's a lot of its medications, it was kind of different, but a lot of my patients are, you know, they're doing just fine and they, they really enjoyed having just a, you know, a short visit over the internet and they can say, Hey, I'm doing fine. And they can answer a few of my questions. And, and they're like, yeah, that, that, thank you. That's it. You know, and, and they wanted that short visit. And the way they did not want to do is drive all the way to my office just to sit there for a few minutes and say, yeah, I'm, I feel fine. Thanks. Can I have my refills? You know? So, so yeah, so virtual is good. Yeah. You know, that concerns me that potentially some of the people that I know have, that drive from pretty good distances um, out in Wentzville or um, yeah. over in Illinois and come over to my office. Um, uh, my concerns is they may tell me that they're not um, they're not going to be able to uh, uh, they're not going to want to come over since this works so well for them. And, uh-huh. you know, they just they just have found this to be just really good. They don't have an issue with it at all. Right. And, um, you know, that's, that's how this has been going for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I guess since you, uh, since a lot of these are people who you uh, were already seeing before the pandemic and now you're seeing them during the pandemic, how, how is the pandemic affecting, uh, your, your psychology clients? How are they, how are people doing with it? Well, they have a, a number of, of things that are related to this, some of them more than others. Um, I think the biggest issue that they're struggling with is the, the confinement, kind of being at home, or as I call it, they get stuck in this this notion that life isn't going to be the same for them ever again. And that that's a big issue. They, they define themselves, I, I call it, being... Um, in the cone of COVID, if you will, where they see this as encapsulating them. And then when you break it down and you start talking about the things that they um, did before this, 
a lot of the things that they did before, they can still do now if they just use some good common sense. Uh, and that's a that's a significant piece. The only other real major issue that they're dealing with besides, you know, the anxiety and the depression that they would have anyway is the anger. They just some of them are extremely angry and they're angry at oh, yeah. at uh, everybody and everything, including, you know, the government and health people are not getting this done quick enough. And yeah. You know, I try to stay away from the politics and make it much more about, you know, how are we going to cope and get through this over the course of the next whatever time it's going to take? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Got to stay away from politics when you're seeing therapy patients. You never know. Boy, you're sure right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chad's playing the music, so we're going to take a break for just a little bit. And we're going to be right back. We're talking to Dr. Rob Becker, psychologist in the St. Louis area, talking COVID. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Medical Beat. All right. We're back. It's 97.1 FM Talk. You're listening to The Medical Beat. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey. And we have with us here today our guest, uh, Dr. Rob Becker, a psychologist in the St. Louis area, uh, in private practice, also author of a couple of books, Addicted to Misery and don't talk, don't trust, and don't feel. And we're talking COVID. We're talking how people are dealing with COVID or not dealing with, with COVID, as the case may be. Uh, and let's kind of start with that. So so can you tell us, Rob, how are people, uh, what are people doing to try to cope with this whole COVID thing and all the stress surrounding that? Well, you really, you know, Steve, you really have to help them break down these kind of belief systems that they have where they're, they just think, well, this is going to be forever. I'm going to be stuck here for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that that's just, we know that's not true. Yeah. We the, don't know how long, yeah, but the, it's not true. The, the last three months does kind of feel like forever, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Months. It yeah. does. Yeah. Um, as I kind of talked a little bit before, I get, you know, you know, I'm not able to do the things that, that I used to do, and I'm really, you know, upset about that, and my whole routine is terrible, and I don't know what to do, Doc. And I say, well, let's talk about what that routine was and see if we can pick out some things that we might be able to substitute for those, you know, situations that have been previously part of your life. And that's usually not that hard to, to get them to do that. Um, once they start thinking about it, they got to get out of this mindset that I'm stuck and this is never going away because that's just a train ride down the track that you just don't want to go. It oh, keeps yeah. you locked up. Right. It's not it's not forever. It just feels like it, I guess. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> just feels like it. Right. Yeah. 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 But I, I guess I guess that's an important thing for people to people to keep in mind is that is that message working does does that help or how's that going how's that going you know, for you you know once i once i can break break out cognitively that's the thinking way that they're seeing their their irrational belief that i can't i can't have dinner with any friends any longer well that's ridiculous of course you can you just have to do it differently than you've always done it yeah. then they start seeing that you know, they have been stuck in this belief 
bubble that is got them like prisoners of, of as I say, the prisoners of COVID. Yeah. And it, it does work. It, uh, they do get out of that and they're able to start functioning. Uh, and we are in this for some time. I realize that. But yeah. we're going to be in it for longer, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I guess all the, you know, the, the therapy people that you uh, that you talk to, is it is it mostly the not being able to be around other people that bothers them or the worrying about catching the virus or what are the what are the main things that are on people's minds? What's well, uh, what are the main things bothering you, them? What you just said is, yeah. you know, not being with people and so forth, being able to get out and do some of the things they did. Um, the biggest thing that's now just absolutely drowning people is this issue of schools. Oh. I have people with kids and they are just conflicted. They can't figure out what to do. They're scared to death about the kids going back to school. They feel the kids have to go to school, but they can't, yeah. you know, they got grandma living at home and they're afraid that the kid comes back. And there's so many mixed messages that are coming out via the media mm -hmm. that they don't know what to believe. You can understand yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look on look on Facebook or the news or whatever, it's just a mess. It's hard to know. Yeah, and I, I think, and I guess, like you said, as far as going back to school, you know, I mean, going back to school sounds like a terrible option, and not going back to school also sounds like a terrible option. You know? Well, you know, I have yeah. one of my son. One of my sons is a school teacher, and he's got two little girls. One was supposed to start preschool this, uh, I guess, August, early September, and the other one is supposed to go into seventh grade. Well, the the way the districts have set this up is they're going to be if you go virtual all the time, then you're all at home. But then the problem is who's going to watch the kids all five days a week? Yeah. And if you go with their plans that St. Louis County has developed in the school districts, it's two days of actual in class and three days of virtual. Mm. Well, how long does it take a kid to contract this virus are, are become um, uh, an individual that's going to potentially pass this on or bring it home. Yeah. So that's uh, this thing is very, very difficult and complex for people to deal with. And right now, that's the big issue I'm struggling with with most people oh. is helping them get through this, right. feeling like they're not making the wrong decision. Yeah, and families we have to worry about, do I, do I go back to my job or do I stay home with a kid and, or what? You know, yeah, 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 that's and and that's universal. I have to tell you, with any of the people I see, and that's at least 50, 60 percent of my my uh, patients that I see are all with kids in school, whether they're in elementary or middle school or high school, and even the ones with kids going back to college. Yeah. It's all the same. How can we do this? How am I going to do this and not be scared to death that something bad's going to happen? Right. So I'm dealing with that fear, and it's a rational fear. It's it's not irrational. It's right. real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's hard, harder to give someone therapy when the thing that they're afraid of is is, is that real. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but so 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 how uh, as far as how people are dealing with this is it. Are you seeing like uh, more drinking or overeating or what, what kind of stuff are you seeing? You know, um, not as a general rule. Um, I don't have a lot of people that are eating their way through this. Mm. Um, 
which is kind of interesting. I, I would have thought, you know, you might, I might have seen more of that, but I'm not. Um, I've got some people that are probably drinking more than they did before, but um, they're they're just, you know, they're not um, they're not ending ending up in the hospitals or in the treatment facilities. So. Um, and I'm talking with them every single week. Um, I made a decision when this happened that two things. One, um, I was going to stay in contact with people because I was afraid of what might go on since they weren't seeing somebody or weren't seeing me on a regular basis, that I was going to check in with them, even if it was for 20 or 30 minutes once a week, every week we've been seeing people. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Uh, I probably have 40 to 50 people a week I'm checking in with, oh. plus the, the new people that right. show up. Yeah. So. Oh. oh, hey, before we go, when the pandemic's over, what, what are you going to do? What are you looking forward to doing before the pandemic's over? You know, I want to get okay. my kids and my grandkids here that I can give them a hug yeah. and that the grandkids can sleep over. And I'm sick of these things called the air hugs. That right. does me no good at all. <laughs> right. I oh. get no yeah. pleasure. Air hugs are the worst. Yeah, real, real hugs are better. So, all right, yeah. all right. Good to know. Hey, Chad's playing the music. That means we got to go. I think that it's been uh, Dr. Rob Becker, psychologist in the St. Louis area. We've been talking about COVID. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, that was oh, great. You're, you're so welcome. I appreciate it. I'm glad to help whatever I can do. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, out we go. Have a good one, everybody.